0: You're listening to a podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. This is week two of our Identity Series. We hope that this message encourages you to grow deeper in your understanding of who you are through the eyes of Jesus.
1: Well, what's wrong with this bike? A bit, a lot. It's uh, a little bit bent, out of shape. My uh, genius son decided uh, to go for a ride to the beach uh, with his mate and on the way back, they're jumping over gutters and uh, because he's my son, he got to ride my bike and he made his mate ride the girl's bike. Uh, This is Susan's bike. And uh, on the way back, uh, he busted the back tyre on my bike so badly that it wrapped the inner tube around the cogs. I'm not sure how he did it, but uh, he just kept riding until he shredded it to pieces. And then he thought it'd be a good idea to jump on the back of Susan's bike, holding my bike and the two surfboards. And uh, they continued to uh, jump over gutters and make their way home until... This was how the bike arrived home. A little bent, out of shape. It kind of still looks like a bike, but it can no longer fulfill its purpose. The chain is off. It is powerless to go anywhere, even if the wheel wasn't this uh, bent. The, uh, the front tyre, uh, somehow they also managed to get that all tangled up and it was uh, flat and they the brakes are all bent out of shape and so even if you could start, you can't stop. There's a lot wrong with this bike. I just wondered this morning, as I saw the bike, it just made me think about you. Um This this morning, my question is, do you ever feel like there's something wrong with you? Do you ever feel a little bit bent out of shape? Like there's something a bit broken on on the inside, you start doing some things that you really know are causing you some uh, damage, but you can't stop, and maybe you feel a little bit powerless to change, and maybe you feel just a little bit broken and bent out of shape. you ever ask the question, in your darkest moments, is there something wrong with me? I'm going to get straight to the point today and say, yes, there is something wrong with you. Welcome to Gateway. <laughs> it's great to have you here today. Everyone who comes through those doors is welcome. But there is something wrong with you. You're broken by sin. Sin. Sin kind of gets us all bent out of shape and and broken. Life gets a bit wobbly because of sin. Life gets bent out of shape because of sin. And sometimes we feel powerless to change because of sin. And sometimes we start doing something that's actually causing us some damage. And we just can't stop. You know, I had to make the, the decision... Do I try and save this bike and restore it, or do I just chuck it on the scrap heap? And then I had a better thought what if I got one of you to fix this bike for me? What if I got one of you to save this door? Save this bike and restore it. So I've been looking around this service at someone I know, loves bikes, ride bikes. I've seen him riding bikes around Cleveland. I saw Noel Laidlaw sitting down the front. Noel, mate, can you come up here and fix this bike for me? Come on, give him a big hand as he comes up. Come on, Noel, come on. Mate, I'm just going to leave it here for you. Just to... (laughs) Just do what you can with it, please. Okay, one lull fixes my uh, bike. We're going to continue our series in the book of Ephesians. Started a series last week called Identity from the book of Ephesians, understanding our... Uh, <laughs> You'll be right, mate. Give it a crack. Uh, just understanding our identity in Christ. And in chapter 2... Paul makes it very, very clear that every single one of us is broken by sin. We've all been bent out of shape by sin. But the good news of Ephesians chapter 2 is that he didn't chuck you on the scrap heap. When your life got broken by sin, when you got bent out of shape by sin, you were not chucked on the scrap heap. But He actually chose to save you and to restore you and to put you back together. So let us uh, really encourage you—to open your, bring your paper Bibles with you to church. I know I'm a dinosaur, but uh, I'd love you to bring your paper Bibles over this next six weeks and uh, just write some notes in it. Sometimes you're going to write some notes that are actually going to shape your life for the next decade because our identity, how we understand ourselves, actually shapes the story of our lives. It determines the, the future uh, of our lives. So I really encourage you to bring your paper Bible with you. Write some, uh, write some notes in it as we go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath There's something wrong with you You're broken by sin. You're dead in your relationship to God. And God's not happy about it. Deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Come on, just take hold of those couple of words today. You have been saved by grace. If there's three words I want you to remember today, it is I am saved. It has happened. I am saved. If you're online today, just type it in the chat. If you've got faith in Christ, these words are true for you. I am saved. You've not been chucked on the scrap heap. When you're broken and bent out of shape by sin, you weren't kind of chucked away, but you have been saved. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He has saved you. It, it's happened. But just before we get in, into some of that, let's go back to verses 1 to 3. Verses 1 to 2, Paul begins speaking to Gentile believers. These people that are the, the Gentiles that haven't grown up in Jerusalem, they haven't grown up in Israel, they, they haven't grown up under God's law. Okay, they've, they've never worshipped God, they've never tried to obey God's law. They, they, it says that they've just followed the ways of this world. And so, if the culture said it's okay to sleep with whoever you want, that's what they did because they just followed the ways of this world. If the culture said, oppress the poor, make them, you know, crush them, be greedy, get more for yourself, don't care about the poor in Bangladesh or in the Congo, just oppress them, be greedy. Just if that's what the culture said was okay, then they were just okay with it. They just followed the ways of the world. And then it says that they, they also followed the ruler of the kingdom of this air. The spirit that's at work in all that whose hearts are disobedient. Even though they really didn't know they were being disobedient to God's law, they'd not grown up under God's law. They were just following the ways of the world. And the ruler of the kingdom of this air the spirit that's at work in the world with everyone who's living in disobedience. Again, it's just another way or another term, another way of describing Satan, the devil. There's an evil spirit at work in this world. And it's not just, it's not just you know, uh, the, 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 the culture that actually causes us to sin, but there's an enemy we've got that's out to lie and steal and kill and destroy that twists the word of God. So that our design by God gets twisted. We get bent out of shape. We get broken by sin. So in these first couple of verses, Paul is talking to Gentile believers, never understood who God is, and says you're all broken, bent out of shape by sin. In fact, worse than that, you're dead in your sin. You're spiritually dead. Your relationship with God has been broken by sin. And what he wants them to know is is that's your old identity. You you, you actually, you you didn't know what you were doing, but you were broken by sin. Your relationship was broken by sin. Before you heard the good news, that was your old identity. Then verse 3, he actually starts talking to Jewish believers like himself. he's, He's talking to people like himself who've grown up understanding Old Testament law, understanding the covenant that God had made between himself and Israel as the chosen people. They, they understand, understood that, that as they, if they were to worship God, if they were to love God, if they were to live according to God's design for them, they were to follow these laws. And they tried to, but they weren't very good at it. It says they too were broken by sin. They too got that life bent out of shape by, by sin. It says because they've got a sinful nature. And so there's the ways of this world that, you know, that, that bend us out of shape and make us spiritually dead. There's, there's an evil one. There's a, there's a ruler of the kingdom of the, of the air who's twisting God's word and twisting our lives out of, out of shape. And then there's a sinful nature. In fact, we've all got this sinful nature within us that that chooses selfishness over God. Even when we can see that the thing that we're doing is causing pain, even when we know that the thing that we're we're doing is, is not good before a holy God, we can't seem to stop doing it. We feel powerless to stop doing it. And so here in these first three verses, Paul's wanting us to understand essentially, you know, the, the three things or the three ways that we, our lives get broken and bent out of shape by sin. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The ways of this world. If we just go along with it, life will get bent out of shape and broken by sin. The flesh, our sinful nature. If we just follow that selfishness within us. says just please yourself do whatever gratify the, the the desires of your sinful nature gratify the desires of the flesh you'll get bent out of shape you get broken and then we also have an enemy who's out to twist the word of God and to get our lives bent out of shape according to God's design and he says no one Is excluded from this list he says like the rest we were all deserving of wrath I wonder sometimes whether we've gotten a little blase about sin we kind of know that sin's not good but we're not sure it's all that bad does it really matter that the, our selfishness is causing harm to people around us? You know, does it really matter that as we follow the ways of this world, and we just let our culture, you know, do its thing, that this world around us just keeps getting broken and bent out of shape? You know, we, we, we kind of know that sin's not good, but we're not sure it's all that bad. But Paul's saying here, like the, like the rest, we were dead in our sins. It actually, our sin actually made us spiritually dead and deserving of wrath. What he's saying is God hates sin. Sin is very serious to God. When we get our lives and this world gets bent out of shape by, by sin, it makes him angry. He's not happy about your life, your marriage, your family, this community, our world getting bent out of shape by sin. He's not happy about it. I think sometimes we get a little bit blasé about sin and how black and evil and destructive and damaging it really is. He says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath there's a beautiful little three-letter word, but. And it's a good but, it's an important but. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. When you deserved wrath, when you deserved death, when, when, when you deserved to be separated and, and your relationship with God broken forever because of your sin, Jesus took your place because of God's great love, because of the richness of His mercy. And what we've got to understand, we've been singing about it this morning His mercy is rich, His grace, the riches of God's grace is, is abundant, it'll never run out. You'll never never sin too much that he won't have enough grace and mercy for you because of his great love for you, because he's rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ. I don't know why there's silence. I think sometimes we get a little bit too blasé about sin. Sometimes I think we get a little bit blasé about the good news. We get blasé about how bad sin really is and we get a little ho-hum about how good God really is. You know, when God created a perfect world for us to live in with a perfect design uh, for our lives, but we chose to listen to the evil one, we chose to follow the ways of this world, we chose to be selfish and self-centred, you know, rather than worship God, and we messed everything up, and everything got bent out of shape, and we deserved wrath, we deserved death. God, who is rich in mercy, God, who has great love for. For you sent his son Jesus to take your place on a cross to die the death that you deserve to taste the wrath that you should have tasted so that you could know the riches of his grace for all eternity that you could be made alive when Jesus rose from the dead you could be included in his resurrection and you could be alive forevermore it's pretty good news people That's what Jesus, come on, that's what Jesus has done for us. Nothing to do with you. All about him. Sometimes we get a bit blasé about sin and the brokenness that it causes. And sometimes we get a little bit too ho-hum about how good God really is. Someone online this morning, just type in the chat, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for your richness of your love and your mercy. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. Now, I'd be confident if I, uh, I ask for a show of hands here this morning, who has had doubts about God's goodness? Who has had doubts about God's great love for you? And who has had doubts about whether they really are saved? They really have salvation in Christ in the last 12 months. I'd say about, if you're all honest, I'm not going to ask you to do it, but if you're all honest, about half the room put their hands up. And it's actually not because you don't believe that Jesus is the son of God and he died on a cross and rose from the dead. You actually believe that. That's not the problem. It's not because you haven't prayed a prayer asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour. You've prayed that prayer. And if you haven't here today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it, whether you're in the room or online. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it a bit uh, later on. But for for most of you here, you've already prayed that prayer, and uh, that's not the problem. Uh, It's not that you don't know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If there's any verse in the Bible that you've memorised, you've probably memorised that one. You've got it crocheted on your wall. It's on your screensaver. Some of you have got it tattooed on your arm, John 3.16. It's not that you don't know that verse. That's not the problem. I think the reason that we actually doubt whether we're actually saved... And what what, Jesus, what Paul's saying to us here in this passage is that you have been saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus took the penalty of sin, which is death, upon him on the cross. He took it. It's been done. You are saved. That's what Paul wants us to know. He wants us to know it's something that's happened in the past and it can't be taken away from you. But some of you here today, you, you, you actually question whether that's true in the past, whether that's happened for you, whether that's still true today. And I believe the reason is because you still sin, because you still know there's something broken on the inside. Life's still a bit bent out of shape. There are relationships around you that are still being broken by sin and there's something inside of you that feels a little broken and bent out of shale. I think the reason that we actually doubt these words, and we doubt that this has happened in the past, that you have been saved from the penalty of sin, is because we still sin today. You know, this, this word, saved, We we actually think about it as a time in the past, you know, when we prayed that sinner's prayer, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's partly right. You you have been saved from the penalty of sin. it's, It's happened. The theological word is justification. It means just if I'd never sinned. In God's sight, you have been forgiven. It's been done. And it has nothing to do with you. It's by grace. It's by God's grace towards you. But the word that we translate saved is actually the word sozo. And it means a bit more than just being saved from the penalty of sin. It actually means to to heal, to restore, to protect, to preserve, to make whole, to keep safe. It says, you have been sozoed from the penalty of sin. It's, it's happened in the, the past. But Paul, as he's using this word, is actually in the Greek. You can't see it in, in the English as clearly, but in the Greek, it's in the, it's in the perfect present tense. It means it's something that has happened. Sorry, the perfect uh, continuous tense. It's something that has happened, but it continues happening. It's something that's happened at a point in time, but it keeps happening. And so what Paul is wanting us to understand, it's not as clear in this passage as in some of his other writings, but you have been saved from the penalty of sin and you are being saved from the power of sin. It it goes on, he keeps restoring, he keeps making you whole. Every time you deal with one sin in your life, one area of sin, there'll be something else that he shows you because he wants to keep making you into his image. All of the bits of your life that have got bent out of shape, he wants to put them back together. He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you into his image. So you have been saved from the penalty of sin. It's happened. It's been done. Nothing can change. It had nothing to do with you. But you are still being saved from the power of sin. This theological word is the word sanctification. Again, it's only by the grace of God are we sanctified, that over time we become more and more like Jesus as we walk in this broken world. I just wonder if there's some of us here today who feel a little bit stuck in sin. We feel a little stuck in a, in a particular Uh, sin and and, and God is wanting us, Jesus is wanting to set us free. He's still working on us. And and what, what we need is the confidence to ask him for help, to ask him to come and do what only he can do to put us back together. And so what Paul is wanting to do in this passage is to give you confidence in God's love, His grace, His mercy, and His kindness, confidence in the relationship that you have, that your relationship with God is no longer broken, but you are saved. It's really important that you have confidence in your relationship with God. You see, if I wasn't confident in my relationship with Susan, I I wouldn't know whether I should eat the meal she puts in front of me. You know, has she marinated it in something delicious or has she coated it in arsenic? I I wouldn't know if I wasn't confident in the way that she felt about me. And so, you know, I wouldn't eat and I need to eat. You know, if I wasn't confident in the way Susan felt about me, I wouldn't be confident to snuggle up alongside her on the lounge because I wouldn't know whether she's going to snuggle me back or punch me in the face. And sometimes I need a little cuddle. And God wants you to be confident. He wants you to know what's happened in the past. He wants you to be confident. In Hebrews chapter 4 it says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we might receive grace and mercy and help in our time of need. He wants you to be confident because of what he's done in the past to actually come to him when life gets a bit of bent out of shape, when we're broken by sin. Say, hey, would you come? Would you restore? Would you put me back together? Would you save me from the power of sin? I had a dream the other night that some of us, I'm not going to go into the details of the dream, I woke up just, just uh, feeling hopeless and agitated. This, this dream of, of someone who was stuck in this awful place and it was, it was frightening and it was damaging, but they couldn't find a way out. No, I just felt like God was saying, "That's that's true for some of us in this room who are kind of stuck in this damaging sin, this thought life, or this damaging relationship, this 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 damaging thing that we keep doing, and we don't feel like that we can stop that we started." And Jesus wanted to say, "I've got power to set you free. That there is a way out." Let me give you a really simple, just road. This is this is. This is a simple, this is simple, but it's not easy. It's a roadmap to repentance and restoration. It's easy to say the word repent, and it actually we feel it's got, it kind of has a negative feel for us. It should have a positive feel. Every time God calls you to repent, because he wants to do something better in you. He, he wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. Let me just give you an A to E roadmap to repentance. Some of you just need to write this down. If if you're stuck in sin somehow, you want to know Jesus' power over sin in your life, a simple A to E. First, you've got to admit your sin. A, admit your sin. If you don't admit it, you, you can't admit that this is breaking you, this has got you a bit bent out of shape, it'll never change. You'll just keep damaging yourself. B, you've got to believe that Jesus' blood covers your sin. You've got to get confident. You've got to get confident of what Jesus did on the cross for you, covered your sin, confident to come before God and ask him for mercy and grace and help in your time of need because you will have many times of need. You've got to get confident. Believe that Jesus Christ, his blood covers your sin. See, you've got to commit to keep accountable with others. If you keep your sin in the dark, and this is going to sound strange, all right, if you only confess to God, You keep it in the dark from people around you, it'll keep having power over you. You get stuck in a cycle of brokenness. Bible says to confess your sins to God and to confess your sins to one another. Bring it into the light. Don't keep what is breaking you in the darkness, but bring it into the light. Some of you, it's a decision you've got to make this week. I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit to find some others to keep me accountable to what's breaking me getting me bent out of shape. D, keep your distance. What does D start with? Decide. I knew how to start with a D. Decide to keep your distance from temptation. Some of you know the thing that's breaking you. You you, you Actually, you, you know the temptation in your life, but you keep going close to it. And it keeps having power over you. And Jesus is trying. Jesus is saving you from the power of sin. This this is how you repent. You decide to keep your distance from temptation. You know, when I started work, I was a builder's labourer, and my job at uh, 17 or 18 was to get everybody's lunch orders and to go down to the the local uh, fish and chip shop and buy everybody's lunch. And it didn't matter whether I had a salad packed in my esky. When I got into that fish and chip shop, I was tempted. I smelt that burning fat. Oh, it's a delicious smell. So, dipped, you know, healthy chips, healthy potatoes into a vat of old boiling fat. It just gets healthier and better. <laughs> that was my job every day to go and buy everyone's lunch. Do you know that year? Do you know how many times I gave in to the temptation and bought hot chips for lunch? Every single day that year. Even if I didn't have enough of my own money, I'd scavenge enough of everybody else's change. If you're online, I apologise and I do repent. <laughs> I was so tempted, I'd steal money to get those hot chips. Then my next job was working in a, uh, a church in Sydney. I was a youth pastor. And to get to the closest fish and chip shop was a walk of 485 metres. I could walk there in 485 metres, you know, three minutes, I'd get my hot chips. I worked there for eight and a half years. Do you know how many times I had hot chips for lunch? How many times I gave in to the temptation? About two to three times a week. Not every day. It was a bit further from the temptation, but about two to three times a week I had hot chips for lunch. I've now been working here for 18 years. Do you know how far you've got to go to get a bag of hot chips? You know, I'm 3.6 kilometres by car. You turns and stupid ways of getting there just to get a bag of hot chips for lunch. Do you know how many times I've given into temptation in the last 18 years and had hot chips for lunch? Three times. Thank you. Three times, my my heart thanks you. Three times in 18 years. Why? I've just stayed away from temptation. I tell you, some of us are stuck in sin because we just keep getting too close to temptation. You actually want Jesus to break the power of sin over you, to save you from the power of sin that's damaging and getting bent out of shape? Decide every day to keep your distance. Lastly, Every day, you, you want to win the war over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Every day, not just on a Sunday, every day you've got to surrender to the Word of God. Every day you've got to open His Word and go, I want to be set free from what's got me broken. I want to be set free from the damaging power of sin. Every day, is an A to E. As I said, it won't be easy. But Jesus wants to set you free. You see, how we see ourselves, how we understand our identity will shape the story of our lives. It'll determine the way that we live. You have been saved from the penalty of sin. Nothing can change it. Nothing can take it away. It's by grace. It had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with Jesus. You are being saved day by day. He's restoring you. He's putting you back together. He's making you whole. He, he's, he's making you able to fulfill your purpose if you will surrender to Him. Him. Day by day, he'll restore you. You are being saved from the power of sin. And lastly, if you're in Christ, one day, this is a good promise. We're going to sing about it in a minute. You will be saved from the presence of sin. Another theological word is the word glorification. One day we'll be in glory. No more sin. Verse six, it says, God raised us up with Christ Jesus, seated us in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Paul is so confident. And I believe some of us have lost confidence in the power of the gospel. Paul is so confident about your position in heaven he speaks of it as a reality now that will continue on for all eternity through the ages. You have been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. All of the power of heaven is available to you and throughout the ages you will see the riches of his grace. It's You have been saved, you are being saved and one day you're going to be saved from the very presence of sin this world is broken this world is bent out of shape and one day jesus promises he's going to save us from the presence of sin for all eternity he's not thrown you he's not thrown this world on the scrap heap but day by day he's restoring he's healing he's making us whole And one day, this broken world will no longer cause us pain. One day, nothing will be bent out of shape. One day, every sickness will be healed. One day, every tear will be wiped away. One day, there will be no more pain and there'll be no more brokenness and everything will be made right again. You have been saved from the penalty of sin. You are now alive in Christ and your relationship with God cannot be broken if you are in Christ. You are being saved from the power of sin. He's setting you free to fulfill your God-given purpose. One day, because He's so rich in grace, you'll never see sin again. You'll be free from the very presence of sin if you're in Christ who took your sin for you and put it to death. Nothing to do with you. Once again, Paul wants you to know you're saved by grace. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's the work of another. You couldn't save yourself. You had to receive the saving grace of another who could save you and put you back together. And then the last verse in this passage, verse 10, it says, For you are God's workmanship, created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. God's handiwork. Noel is pretty handy. He's done a pretty good job. He's put the broken pieces. He's put the broken pieces of Susan's bike back together. She thanks you, Noel. And so do I. I'm useless at putting broken things back together. But Noel's not. You see, you are not saved by good works. Do you want to just get it down for me, Noel, please? You are not saved by good works, but you are saved for good works. See, Jesus is doing all this saving work in you now in this age because he's got good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. When he puts all the broken pieces back together, we actually get to fulfil our God-given purpose. This is a small stage, I'm telling you. A little, <laughs> little nervous riding around here, but once again, the bike fulfils its purpose. Put your hands together for Noel Law, people. <laughs> They're my flowers, Susan. I, I put them in there for you. Hey, I, uh, I just wonder whether today we need the God to do some of his handiwork in us. Some of us here today would say, i are a little bent out of shape. And what Paul wants us to understand is if you're sitting here this morning going, I know there's something broken in me, but I don't want anyone to know. I know there's something a bit bent out of shape, but I don't want anyone to know. What Paul's making it very clear is that we're all in the same boat. Like the rest, by nature, we were deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. You have been saved from the penalty of sin. Nothing will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Day by day, you're being saved from the power of sin that's still getting us a bit bent out of shape. And one day, you'll be saved from the very presence of sin and nothing will get bent out of shape ever again. It's the good news of the gospel. When we understand how good it is, See, this is where our identity is so important. We understand our identity, we understand the goodness of God. You know, we'll it, it'll shape the story of our lives. We understand how much we love our loved, we'll love others in the same way. When we understand how much we've been forgiven, we'll forgive others in the same way. When we understand this life that is a life of abundance we've been given in Christ, we will live life to the full. When we understand how amazing God's grace is to us in Christ Jesus, we will do everything we can to share that grace with others. It's good. We've got to get it. Our identity, who we are in Christ, it'll shape it will shape the story of our lives. It will shape our future. I, I want to pray for all of us in a moment that have just got something a bit bent out of shape because of the sin of yourself, the sin of others, or the sins of this part of this world. And you'd love God to pour out some of his healing, His restoring his saving work in your life today. But just before we do that, I want to give anyone an opportunity to here who's not sure that they are saved, you're not sure that, you know, Jesus has saved you. I want you to be certain of that. I want you to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ, whether you're online or in the room, give you an opportunity to make that decision and to pray a prayer with me, of surrendering to Jesus, asking him to be Lord and Savior. So let's ask everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you're saved you're not sure if what jesus did on the cross you know you've actually let his blood cover your sin you're not sure you know if you if you died today whether you're going to heaven you're not certain of your salvation you're not confident and today you'd like to be you'd like to pray a prayer just asking jesus to come and forgive your sins just while every eye is closed and every head's bowed if you want to pray that prayer with me can i just get you to raise your hand just say that's me today Just stick it up just for a moment so I can see it. Bless you, mate. Good man. Bless you up the back. Bless you down the front. That's cool. Who else? Bless you. Who else today? Just say, it's my prayer. Just stick it up just for a minute just so I can see it. Yeah, bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, you can put your hands down. If that's you today, just going to, I'm going to ask all of us actually. If you're online, just push the button. Just say that's you. We're just going to ask all of us in the room or online just to pray this prayer out loud together if you have faith in Christ, all right? Father God, thank you for your extravagant love for me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. I ask today that you would forgive my sin. I choose to follow you, Jesus, as Lord and Saviour. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, why don't we just put our hands together this morning for everyone who prayed (laughs) that prayer. Encourage you just to let us know. Let one of our prayer team know. Let some of the welcome desk know. If you're online, just let us know in the chat. We'd love to connect with you this morning. Come on, why don't we stand together? I'm going to get our prayer team to come down the front, our pastoral team down the front. Come on, let's all stand. We're going to sing a song about God's amazing grace that saved us, saved a wretch like me. And it goes on in more modern trend, more modern version to say, my chains are gone. I've been set free. Gonna get just our prayer team, pastoral team down the front. As we're singing this song, we're gonna sing a couple of verses, and then we're gonna pause, and we're gonna pray for everyone down the front. If you're here today and you say, Hey, this is something a little bit bent out of shape. There's something that I know I've been broken by sin. It might be your own sin, it might be the sins of others, it might be the pain of just living in this world that's broken by sin. But there's just some brokenness in your heart. There's some brokenness in your mind. There's some brokenness in your home right now. And you just say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, come in and do what only you can do. Jesus, come in and save, restore, make whole, put back together. Come and heal. If that's you this morning, just say, come on. Jesus, would you come in, come, come and restore me? Just, just begin to walk down the front. I'm going to get some people to stand with you and pray with you in just a moment. We're going to pause this song and pray together, but just, just start to come. Come on, come on. amazing grace here. He wants to bring healing to broken hearts. He wants to bring healing to broken families. He wants to bring healing to what's broken in our minds has gotten bent out of shape. I'm going to pray but just start to come as I'm praying. Just start to come. I'm going to pray that God by His Holy Spirit will do what only He can do. Father God, just come by Your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank You that You are here. We thank You that You are healer. We thank you that you come and you, you minister the grace of Jesus to us. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit, and minister to us. God, minister to us in the pews this morning. Help us to hear your life-giving word. God, minister to us at the altar this morning. Come and minister your word of forgiveness, your word of grace your word of power. Help us to take hold of it by faith. Come, Holy Spirit, pour out your healing power. God, would you heal? God, would you heal what is broken? God, would you you take those parts of our, our heart and our mind that have been broken by sin? And God, would you gently restore and put back together God, would you you bring to wholeness today? God, would you come and make us whole? God, I pray for those who've lost confidence in your love, that God, that you would fill us afresh with love. I pray for those who've lost confidence in their purpose, their God-given purpose. Today, God, you would restore that purpose. God, there'd be a new confidence in your purposes and in your will. That, God, you are working all things out together according to your purposes and your will. And that today we would work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We would cooperate with you. We would surrender to you. And you would do your, your work of grace in our hearts. God, come, Holy Spirit. Come and heal what is broken. Heal our broken hearts. God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the power of your blood, Lord Jesus. Heals our brokenness day by day. Can, if you just need someone to come and pray for you, just, just keep coming. I know it's not easy to walk down in front of a big group of people. Can I just tell you, one of the best things... One of the really good news to hear is when God tells you to repent. When God tells you to repent, He's doing it because He's got something better for you. If God's calling you to repentance today, smile. It's good news. He's got something better for you. He's got healing to give you. He's got a better future for you. He don't want you stuck in mess anymore. He doesn't want you getting all bent out of shape. God's calling you to repent, smile, cooperate, surrender. Allow Him to do His thing. Come on, let's continue to sing. Amazing grace.
0: The Lord has promised you to me. His word my hope you.
1: greater power than the world, the flesh and the devil. You just got to let him in. Let him do his thing. I really believe there's some here today that you are stuck in a place you don't want to be. For some of you it is going to find just a group of people. Maybe people are sitting in your pews. Maybe people are sitting in your life group. You can go, be honest and say this is what's broken. This is what's a bit bent out of shape. God, would you pray for me? I want you to keep me accountable. I know some of you need to do that today. Don't resist it. It's only because God's got something good for you. Something better than what you can ever work out for yourself. It's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's good news. Hey, why don't you put your hands together one more time for Mr. Noel Laidlaw too. Thank you, Noel. Good man. Hey, our prayer team's going to stay down here for a little while. If you just love someone to stand with you, pray with you about anything today, please just come. I really believe you hear me saying this a lot. Don't go home without praying for someone or without getting someone to pray for you. Find someone to pray for. Really important. It's one of the reasons we come together. Be blessed. See you next Sunday.
0: We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.